Spring is here. And daylight savings is coming this weekend. Gosh, that snuck up on us. So there'll be some extra light for some work pottering around the garden to help you get inspired to get back or get started in the garden. Julia Atkinson Dunn has published a book covering all stages of gardening. For those mystified by the idea of spending hours outdoors, to those who just can't wait, it's called A Guided Discovery of Gardening and can be an inspiration or maybe just some motivation. Julia joins me now. Hi. Kia ora, GC. Congratulations on this book. You've done an incredible job on it. Thank you very much. I mean, there are books and there are beautiful books and you've got a beautiful book here. Uh, Tell me a bit about the design of it. Well, I'm particularly lucky that I carve away during the year and write and photograph and then I sort of package it up and deliver it to Tonya Shuttleworth who is both my publisher at Coa Press and also the designer and this is actually our third book and she just continues to just bring really special beautiful publications to the shelves. Yeah tell me about your own gardening history. Well it's kind of considerably light given that I'm writing about it. Yeah. But I, um, my background is in design and writing, obviously, but I never really was into gardening as a renter. And it really wasn't until um, I moved into a villa in Christchurch with my husband that had this backyard and potential that I even really thought about what I could do to make that space my own. And so based on zero knowledge, but some curiosity, I just, I guess I just started carving away at it and experimenting and growing and learning all my lessons as I went. Yeah, well, the good thing about that is you're on the same journey as a lot of people reading the book, right? I kind of figured that. I mean, I even with my first book that I wrote in 2021, it was really because I'd done so much research and I sort of was starved of uh, casual, nice, friendly, not too technical book that would that I felt I could partner with, and I guess I knew more about writing than I did about gardening, and it was just kind of easy to find the spaces that weren't being filled for me locally. And some people might know your name from your stuff column, um, and and that sort of formed a bit of a basis for the book as well. Yes, it certainly did. Yeah, I started writing that in October. 2020, I believe, and I actually right up until uh, this book went to pre- uh, well went to the press. Um, I was doing that. I did about 90 pieces for that, and then I decided to wrap it up. <laughs> and I've actually launched my own online gardening magazine called Unearth Now. Fantastic. Okay, you've gone all in. Then tell I'm us all in. <laughs> tell us how you've organised the book. Because it's a combination of learning and writing in different stages, um, I wanted it to be, I mean, it's primarily for beginners, brand new people that don't even know how to sow a seed. That is all in there. But it's also opening the door and kind of provoking new senses of ideas and points of view for progressing gardeners as well. So at the start, it's real practical basics, including, you know, what is a perennial, what is an annual. That is kind of information which really opened the door for me and when it came to ideas and curating your garden to be how you want it. Can you help us out with that right now? Oh, yes. So a perennial plant is a plant that returns 
every year. It will go dormant over winter. Sometimes they go completely under the ground. Sometimes they might just go back to a little leafy foliage clump. And they're considered perennial if they kind of come back every three years or more. Um, an annual plant completes its life cycle over one year. A lot of times annual plants are really fun, showy flowers, um, a lot of vegetables, annuals too. Um, but once they're done, they're done. They do tend to be quite good self-seeders. I tend to put my money into perennials personally. And I reckon a lot of people when they get started, myself included, think of sort of individual plants that you're putting in, but you devote some time, some space in the book to thinking about the garden as a whole, thinking about the structure of your garden. Yeah, and and I think that is led by my sort of past interest and current interest in spaces and places and the way spaces can make you feel as much as an interior, a garden space can do that too. And it doesn't have to rely on the size. I mean, I've spoken to people and even in the book profile, tiny gardens and huge gardens, but each really tells a story of the person who made it. And that's what really interests me, to be honest, is people taking their ideas as far as they can go instead of just kind of just recreating their mum's garden, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. You've actually got specific (laughs) advice for people um, buying or moving into their first home. Yes. Yeah, and that was based on experience. And again, I'm no dummy considering I don't know that much. I have made it really my my main aim to talk to people that do know more than me. Um, and there's been there's some great sections in the book actually about that. You know, not rushing to clear the section when you arrive at a new property. Um, it might be really messy, but it might actually have all these plants that just need a renovation as such, or they might not even be above the ground. And plants are expensive, you know, and time put into the garden is quite expensive. So it's just about biding your time, even a year, to see how the trees that you want to cut down actually provide privacy or shelter or Mm. shade. Yeah. You made some mistakes along the way, I'm relieved to hear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I haven't forgotten any of them because of them. (laughs) Tell us that we don't make the same mistakes or give us a couple of them. Uh, Well, I can't totally describe it, but I can tell you you can plant bulbs upside down. And I definitely planted (laughs) all my dahlia tubers the first time upside down. And they actually probably would have been okay. But when I discovered it, I dug them all up and did it again. Um, (laughs) One of the really key things I learned was that it's all very well to fall in love with a plant. But, you know, fence shade is shade as well. So if something is called a sun lover, I think it needs a minimum of six hours full sun a day. And so I had sun-loving larkspur growing horizontal to the ground in a bed just trying to get out of the fence mm. shade. Um, there's, been, there's been hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think often when we talk about starting up your own garden, we talk about it from a food perspective, right, becoming more sustainable and the joy of growing your own food. But you seem to devote as much space in your book to flowers and things that are just, well, I'm sure they have purposes, but one of their purposes is just to look good. Yeah, and I've I've kind of thought a lot about that. I think a lot of um, my peers at the moment, uh, you know, their interest or the way that they're entering gardening is through the possibilities of growing. And I'm growing food, and I'm the same. I mean, 
$10 cauliflowers don't interest anybody, you know. But I think that we need to also step past the idea that um, creating spaces for joy is frivolous. We kind of don't have that opinion on, you know, decorating our living rooms. So why should it be frivolous to create beautiful, seasonally responsive spaces that we can actually really enjoy? Something that I think a lot of people realised during COVID, um, I received quite a lot of feedback from from people that had only purely grown vegetables and for the first time they'd planted some flowering plants that led them through the seasons and brought them a lot of joy. And you also mentioned trees, important part of the garden, but um, people almost treat them as a, something completely different. Yeah, it's funny. I've been, um, uh, I'm really lucky again, I mentioned this, but I have some great mentors and in terms of trees, we're, um, my Jenny Cooper of the Blue House in Amberley, who also writes a column for my magazine, she wrote recently about suddenly in new developments, we're just sort of trussing up these trees and tiny lines against fences and topiaring them beyond belief instead of pulling them out into the middle of our lawns and creating deeper garden beds and even planting them near and around our house to actually provide some shade because, I mean, we're all hearing how intense the summer season is going to be. Looking out through the leaves of a tree is is beautiful and provides um, not only shade for the house, not only habitat, but it lets you explore the garden instead of seeing it all at once out the sliding door, yeah. you know? Just looking at your section on umbellifers, what's an umbellifer? Um, umbellifers, I think they're kind of fairy tale looking flowers. They are named like an umbrella, an ode to the shape of an umbrella, where they tend to have a dome shape and are made up of lots of tiny, tiny flowers that are supported by clusters of stalks that go upwards. So they would be um, examples of that would be in your garden. Um, even a parsley flower is an umbellifer. Um, fennel is one. Uh, there's a great one called Orlea, which is one of my favourites. I think umbellifers, I speak about other ones in the book, but it's in an effort to to try to get people excited about um, thinking about plant shape um, and seed head shape when, when, once they've lost their petals, just to try to mix things up and make it visually appealing. Just a quick word finally on section four of your book, which is called The Enchanting Garden. Where does this fit into the book as a whole? This is probably the section, well, one of the sections that might appeal or be more relatable to people that have been gardening for a while. Um, For me, I feel that a lot of books um, are just how-to books and they forget that when you're beginning something, you kind of want to be cheerleaded through it or your emotional needs want to be spoken to. And I guess this part of the book are personal observations and discoveries that I've found in being a non-gardener and now being a full-time gardener. Um, The refuge and the stress release and um, the discovery of friendships and connection all through through gardening. I mean, it's pretty light stuff, but it's, it's quite reassuring to hear sometimes. Fran is listening. She says vegetables might be food, but flowers are the soul food that she needs, which is a nice way of putting it, isn't it? I'm entirely with you, Fran. I think both 
most, um, I always think that the generations above us gardening, they always have both. They don't leave one or the other out. Flowers don't just look good, says Dee. They provide food for bees, which pollinate a third of our food sources. Um, the book is called A Guided Discovery of Gardening by Julia Atkinson. Done. Thanks, Julia. Well done. Thank you so much.